Good morning, friends. Good morning. Welcome. I don't have a call to worship up on the screen, but I'd like to read one that we have used many, many times. This is Psalm 100. Would you stand for the scriptures and stand as we begin our worship? Lord, we stand for you. Psalm 100 says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates, enter his property with thanksgiving, and come into his inner courts with your praises. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, and his steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness continues to all generations. Lord, we love you. We worship you. May we bless your heart this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship. Yes, yes, Lord, we worship you. We worship you because your love endures forever. We praise you, Lord, and we stand in awe. Lord, would you bless the remainder of our time together as we continue to focus on you. May you receive all the glory and all the blessing. May everything that we do from here on out still continue to put a smile on your face. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have a few minutes to greet one another. Parents, you're welcome to grab some activity activity bins or coloring things out in the foyer, and we will uh, regather momentarily. Enjoy. Okay, I'll invite you to return to your seats. I think my daughter thinks she's the exception to what I just asked, but can you go back and see mommy? Thank you. All right. Let's pray. Lord, this week we have experienced your protection. This week we have experienced your provision. This week we have experienced your goodness and your kindness, your grace and your forgiveness. This week we have also reminded ourselves, whether we've recognized we've experienced it or not, that you are holy. And somehow you hold holiness together with a disposition towards forgiveness and grace for your people. And I pray that that would be what comes out again this morning. That where you rightly put your finger on the things that are killing us, it would be an experience of you putting on your finger, your finger on something because of your deep, deep love for your people. So we love you, Lord. Would you show us how to love you better this morning? As we open your word, may it be an encounter with the living God not simply opening an old book. I pray we would meet with you 
Would you make sure that your spirit is here with us in such a way that we hear and receive what you are saying and and are empowered to do something about it as you speak and as you lead? That we may live lives that look like Jesus and have his life producing life in us. Lord, apart from you, we can do nothing. So would you have your way with me as I I facilitate here? But would you open all of our ears to you, all of our hearts to you? Because you deserve all of us. You deserve nothing less. All this is for you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness and your kindness and your mercy including when you point out hard things. So have your way during this time for your own sake. Amen. I got two cups here. Does anyone want to drink the purple liquid? No? There's no takers for antifreeze. No, no windshield wiper fluid for you guys? No. It looks like Kool-Aid. No takers. Okay. In in John chapter 8, Jesus is dealing with sin. Right? Some sins are obviously toxic. Right? John chapter 8 begins with a woman caught in adultery, and she knows and everyone else knows that 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 that's horrible, that, that that's toxic, that that's killing her. It's shameful. It's, it's blatantly obvious that it's wrong in every possible way and that it's harming her and the person she was with and the, the whole community. It, sin is deeply toxic, right? That's our, that's our antifreeze, okay? Does anyone want to drink the second one? Now you're not so sure. It looks like water. And it's beside a water bottle. And this is a mixture of water and hydrogen peroxide. Do you want to drink this? No. Okay. Some sins don't look bad. Some sins are are not going to appear to us to be harmful in the way that the purple stuff is. And that's what Jesus is going to point out in our chapter today, that what the people are actually drinking is, is hydrogen peroxide, but it looks like water. Okay? And further, what he's going to point out is that this isn't those blatant sinners out there somewhere else who have never heard of God. He's going to point out that this is happening in the hearts of people who are believers in Jesus. And that's the frightening part, that we actually mistake the hydrogen peroxide for water in our lives. So this is a message for the people in the pews, the people who know Jesus. And and it's a sobering one for me. It's a hard one for me. John 8 is a really hard chapter. It begins with this beautiful picture of that woman caught in adultery and the way that Jesus says, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. 
But then after that, he has interaction after interaction with people who believe in him, claiming to be followers. And what he's pointing out is there's, some, there's a sin in you still that is killing you. It's toxic too. I'm going to read a very long chapter because we are going to read the rest of John chapter 8. So would you grab your Bibles, please? I want you to see this. He does start off talking with the Pharisees, but the Pharisees quickly slip into the background. And I'll point out to you where it is that from this point on, he's speaking to people who are following him. All right, so go with me to John chapter 8. Please follow along in whatever translation you've got. It's always good to compare them. John chapter 8, beginning at verse 12. Jesus spoke to them and said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Then the Pharisees said to him, you're testifying on your own behalf. Your testimony isn't valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid because I know where I have come from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is valid, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is valid, so I testify on my own behalf, and the Father who sent me testifies on my behalf. Then they said to him, where's your father? And Jesus answered, this is so frightening. You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while he was teaching in the treasury of the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Then he said to him, I'm going away and you will search for me, but you will die in your sin. Where I'm, you're drinking antifreeze. You drink in peroxide. You will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. And the Jews said, is he going to kill himself? What does he mean by saying that I'm going away and where I'm going, you cannot come? And he said to them, you are from below. I'm from above. You are from this world. I am not from this world. I told you that you would die in your sins for you will die in your sins unless you believe that I am. They said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, why do I speak to you at all? I have much to say about you and much to judge. But the one who sent me is true, and I declare to the world that I have heard from him. They did not understand that he was speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, you will realize that I am, and that I do nothing on my own, but I speak these things as the Father instructed me. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what is pleasing to him. Now notice this. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Next verse. Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him. This is especially for the people in the pews. If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. And they answered him, we're descendants of Abraham. We've never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying that we'll be free? And Jesus answered them, very truly, I tell you, the one who commits a sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Indeed. 
I know that you are descendants of Abraham, yet you look for an opportunity to kill me because there is no place in you for my word. He was speaking to believers. I declare what I have seen in the Father's presence. As for you, you should do what you have heard from the Father. They answered him, Abraham's our father. Jesus said to them, if, Abraham, if you are Abraham's children, then you would do what Abraham did. But now you're trying to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are indeed doing what your father does. And they said, we're not illegitimate children. We have one father, God himself. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and now I'm here. I did not come on my own, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? Is it because you, it is because you cannot accept my word. You are from your father, the devil, and you choose to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks according to his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe in me. Which of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe in me? Whoever is from God hears the words of God. The reason that you do not hear them is that you are not from God. The Jews answered him, are we not right in saying that you're a Samaritan and you have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Very truly, I tell you, whoever keeps my word will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died and so did the prophets. Yet you say, whoever keeps my word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? The prophets also died. Who do you claim to be? And Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me. He of whom you say he is our God, though you do not know him, but I know him. If I would say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him and I keep his word. Your ancestor, Abraham, rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. This is the word of the Lord. There's a very interesting thing happening in this passage. As I pointed out to you, he is primarily addressing people who have come to believe him. The things that he has been teaching about himself, the things that he has been doing, they've been pointing, they've been seeing what's going on in Jesus and they're going, I believe this guy. But belief can coexist in a person with a desire to kill Jesus. He spoke to believers, verse, verses 30 and 31. Right? See that in the text? In the same conversation, just a few lines down, 
What Jesus does is, is sees that there's something else going on inside them. There is belief, but there's something else going on inside of these believers. And what he points out is that you guys actually want to kill me, but they don't see it because it's this kind. It's this kind of poison. They don't see it. In fact, perhaps, this is just a theory, but perhaps it's actually part of their belief, their belief that blinds them to it. Because they say, they would say, we know this stuff. We're ready to follow Jesus. And, and Jesus tests that by pointing out that actually there's something else going on inside you as well. Belief and a desire to actually kill Jesus can coexist among people in a church, among that same person. That's scary to me. So this is, once again, it's a message I preach to myself that I have to hear this too because it's very easy to deceive myself and go, yeah, 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 I know. I believe it. Believe who Jesus said he is. And yet at the same time, hold something inside of me that when you actually look at it in the light, Jesus says, that's murder. That would kill me. Not just kill me, kill him. In other words, there's something going on inside me that is still opposed to Jesus in spite of the fact that I believe in him. Belief is not enough. Jesus is going to point out two reasons why. Two reasons why this dynamic is happening. The first one is in verse 37. He says, you look for an opportunity to kill me because there is no place in you for my word. You guys are good church people. So Psalm 119 Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Mary treasured all of these things in her heart. What were those things? Remember? That's the Christmas story, right? Sorry? The message from Gabriel, right? The things that God had done in the life of Mary that such that Jesus was conceived and she brought um, the Savior into the world. She treasured those things in her heart. She didn't let go of what God had said and done in her life. Your word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. And the things you are still speaking and doing, she hides in her heart. Do you remember the parable of the soils? We call it the parable of the sower, but it's about the soils, right? Different, that the seed gets scattered and some goes on good soil, some goes on rocky soil, some goes on soil among weeds and so on. Um, And the, the point of the parable is that the word goes out, everyone gets it, but it's what the, the place in which it is received and nurtured or not is what's going to determine what grows. Do we actually have a place 
for what God is saying and doing, a place for the scriptures and what he continues to speak and do, do we actually treasure that all the way down? Because Jesus identifies that these people here would kill him in spite of the fact that they believe in him. In spite of the fact that they have the scriptures, know and love them. That's me. I have to hear this. They don't have a place for what Jesus is doing and what he is saying in their hearts. They don't have a place for it. They don't make a place for it. Jesus points out one other thing. Verses 43 and 44. Why do you not understand what I say? It's because you cannot accept my word. Why can't they accept his word? You're from your father, the devil. Why are they from the father, the devil? Because you choose to do your father's desires. There's choice involved. What are the choices that we make? Are we going to make a choice to steward what God is saying and doing? Are we going to make a choice to nurture the scriptures in our own lives? If we don't, the result is that we will be believers who will also hold murder in our hearts. I'm going to go back over this one more time. There have been people following Jesus who have hung on the words that he is saying. They really like this guy. There's something about him. He just claimed to be the light of the world. That's awesome. He just let that woman go and said, I don't condemn you. These are people who are becoming followers. Our our culture might call them fans right? Might get some likes, right? That's where Jesus is at with this crowd. And yet what Jesus does is look inside and go, there's something else going on in you. And I know it looks like water. I know it looks like water to you, but it's this. It's sin, It's toxic, and it will lead to you wanting to kill me, Jesus says. And it's because they don't hold his word in their hearts, and it's because they make the choices that they make, which reinforce where they're at. Let's pause on that. Let's now look at the contrast between the believers and what's going on in Jesus. And where I want to start is looking at the relationship that Jesus has with the Father, because this chapter has some incredible moments where you get glimpses of what Jesus' relationship is like with the Father. And it holds the key to answering the problem of this stuff. Okay? So please, I hope you're still holding your Bibles open. Look at verse 26. 
The one who sent me is true, Jesus is speaking, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. Jesus spent time with the Father, and after spending time with the Father, he repeated what he had heard from the Father to those he had been sent to. There's a devotional relationship that we are getting an insight into. This is what Jesus' relationship with the Father is like. He listens and then he speaks. Look at verse 28. Second half. I, you will realize that I am he and that I do nothing on my own. What, what has Jesus done? We'll just think back to the, think back to the parables, think back to the miracles, think back to the, the things that he has said and taught He didn't do any of it solo. I can do nothing on my own, but I speak these things as the Father instructed me. So are we starting to get a picture of what Jesus' quiet time looks like with God, looks like with the Father? It's an interactive one in which Jesus is receiving something Talking, they're talking through their day. Do you have your calendar on your phone? Do you have a, a list of to-dos on your phone? I, I have both of these things. And, and what I am starting to do, I'm very poor at this, but I'm starting, what I'm starting to do is pray through some of those things on my day and pray through some of those tasks and appointments so that I can get God's perspective on my day. Jesus is doing that quite a bit better than I'm doing it. But that's what he's doing. He's got a task list and a calendar and some people on his mind. These are the people I'm going to see today, God. We're in this particular city. I know that family. I know this particular issue. I've seen this person at the gate. They're struggling and they need to be healed. And he talks to God about it. And God says, okay, heard your list. Here's mine. And let's Let's reorganize these things. Here are your instructions for the day. Verse 38, I declare what I have seen in the Father's presence. Verse 40, I have told you the truth that I heard from God. Verse 42, second half, I did not come on my own, but he sent me. Verse 47, whoever is from God hears the words of God. Jesus spent time interacting with the Father about every step of the day, probably before it started and then as he's going as well. And he's getting continual direction on what he should say, and what he should do. Why? Why why does Jesus have an experience that looks like this, right? Water I can drink, versus this, which looks like good religious people, but in reality, there's still stuff that would kill us. Why Jesus has this experience, no sin, in part because he is going through 
his entire moment by moment day with the Lord because his word, God's word, both this word, the scriptures, and the words that the Lord is currently speaking to him about everything that they're interacting about finds a place in Jesus. And you know that it finds a place in Jesus because he's saying it's coming out. I'm saying to you, dear crowd, in the scriptures, Jesus is saying, that I heard this from the Lord this morning. I speak and do nothing on my own. I'm, I'm only operating based on the, the instructions I have got and the power I've been given from the Lord. And I got that as I interacted with him. The word of God finds a place in Jesus. And Jesus makes different choices. Look at chapter, um, verse 50. He says, I don't seek my own glory. Whose glory does he seek? God's glory. Yes. Right answer. In their interactions, as they spend time alone together, Jesus is not only interacting about the day that they will have, the people he will see, the plans that they're, they're putting together, but what he is actively doing is laying down every part of his own agenda that he might only take up the Father's agenda, that the Father would have ultimate glory and credit and honor, not the Son. Jesus seeks God's will only, not his own. And if we can hold these things together for ourselves, it's where we will actually find the peroxide. If we start practicing this ourselves, if we get into those spaces where the Lord, where we get into times of quiet and, and solitude, and we interact with the Lord, we, we read his word, we give his word a place in our hearts. Your word have I hid in my heart that I would not sin against you. And then we interact with the things that God is currently speaking and currently doing. Mary treasured these things in her heart. If we get into that practice of interacting with the Lord in that way, and we allow him to speak into, and we practice listening and receiving what he is saying, that's going to be one of the places where he's going to point out he doesn't need to point out the antifreeze. He needs to point out the peroxide to us. And if we can get into those places more and more, what Jesus will do is he will show you there's still peroxide in your cup, Ben. Because if I, and if I don't do that, if I don't spend that time with the scriptures, if I don't spend the time going like this to the Lord and, and writing it down and interacting with it, with, with, with him, with what he said, with others about it, I miss this stuff. And, and as the chapter points out, I can easily become a believer who still holds murder for Jesus in my heart. 
So what we're going to do is practice this. Would you close your eyes? We're going to do some listening prayer. I want you to ask the Lord to show you an area in your life where there's the peroxide stuff. It's peroxide and water. Where there's sin that's not so easily seen. He doesn't need to talk to you so much about the antifreeze. But would you invite him? Lord, show me an area where there's the stuff that I don't see that's still sin. Take time to make a confession and ask for forgiveness. Those are separate steps, but they go together. Now I want you to talk to him about repentance. Repentance is not confession. Repentance is not asking for forgiveness. Repentance is the steps in a different direction. So ask the Lord, what are my next steps? Lastly, I want you to ask him, Lord, who needs to be in this journey with me?
Amen. In the, the soul care course um, that we did a little while ago, which by the way, if, if others are interested in doing, we still have that curriculum, that subscription available for another, I think, six months. So if someone else wants to take that up, do it with a small group over a short period of time, feel free, let me know and talk to me about that. But in that course, one of the things that um, the facilitator author Rob Reamer points out is that um, the verse, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, has been so badly misquoted in church because it misses the most important part. It's not just that you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Jesus first says, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. It's not enough simply to know. It's not enough simply to believe something. There is an action, an ongoing action-oriented disposition that we have to have in order to be true disciples. So as you have heard something from the Lord here, it's not enough simply to know what to do. We have to put it into action. So whatever you have heard, follow through with it. Continue interacting with it. Continue and develop that process of time with the Lord in which there is interactivity that he may identify what he wants to identify, but also that he may speak grace and life and equip you because you don't want to just get stuck in, woe is me, I am a terrible person, I drink antifreeze every day. There's so much more to it than that. There's The rest of the gospel is not simply, woe, woe is you, you are a terrible sinner, but that there, there is something God has done about it on your behalf because he so deeply loves you. So the interactivity gives you the opportunity for him to speak also his grace and his life and his peace into you as well. That there wouldn't simply be accusation and condemnation from the enemy, but that there would be the Lord identifying what he wants to identify, that you might step into the life that he offers you because he wants what is best for you. So may there be both in your life. And may you receive it more and more as you continue in the words that he is speaking to you. Let's pray. Lord, this is a hard and humbling chapter in many ways. We have seen Jesus speak to people like us and therefore speak to us, to me, Ben, pastor, father, 40-year-old guy who's been a Christian for a long time, but still has peroxide in my water. Yet thank you for the grace that you show us in speaking the truth and inviting us to find life with you instead that we would know the truth and the truth would set us free as we continue in your word. Lord, would you grow each of us more and more in a love for the scriptures, in a love for prayer, in a love for listening to you, talking to us about these things and the intersection between them in our lives. 
that we would become more like Jesus. Thank you for the love that he offers us in pointing out things that are hard to hear. Lord, would would you grow us more and more in laying down our lives, making the choices that, that, that choose you instead of us? Your glory instead of our status, our credit, the things that we most want out of life. I pray that you would grow us in a, a, a love that sacrifices ourselves for, for you because you offer us something better and we can't have both. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for the life that you offer us. We so deeply love you, Lord. Amen. Continue in worship. If any of you want prayer after, happy to pray for you or with you. Um, But do make sure that you follow up on what the Lord has been speaking to you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Go in peace, my friends. Have a great week. Thanks for being here.